Our guest today has been a counselor in a juvenile correctional facility for 21 years. Several years before he started, he was an inmate there, serving 14 months for violent crimes. He paid off $33,000 in restitution by working in the kitchen. He didn't meet his biological father until he was 15. Three weeks later, his stepfather died by suicide. This led him to years of anger and violence. Once he was locked up, he learned how to deal with his emotions from men he didn't want to disappoint. He read spiritual texts, competed in sports, and learned to meditate. He was the first inmate in this prison to later return and work there, continuing the influence he was shown decades before. He's now very close with his father. He and his wife have a blended family of eight children, and he enjoys weightlifting, mixed martial arts, and was recently in an episode of the hit show, Yellowstone. If you're a man that controls his own destiny, a man that is always in the pursuit of being better, you are in the right place. You are responsible. You are strong. You are a leader. You are a force for good. Gentlemen, you are the Alpha, and this is the Alpha Quorum. Welcome back to the Alpha Quorum Show. Brad Singletary here. You guys, I'm super excited today. Our guest is Ryan Eccles, and he's going to introduce himself here in just a minute. But I've been, I've known this guy for about over, well, 20 years, 20, 21 years, we work together in a place and he's going to talk about that in a little bit, but his upbringing, his, uh, his adolescence, his young adult life and his life now all really have some interesting things woven into it. Our topic is discipline. We've been doing this uh, series on the red nine, and this one is about a man who lives a life of self-control. And we don't always do that, but and sometimes we have to learn by difficult experience. And I'm sure we'll hear some of those stories today. But so this is a man who lives a life under control. He controls himself. He dominates himself. He's the master of his time, his money, his environment, his mood, his actions. And of course, what follows all those things is results. And here's a guy who's just done some really cool things. I'll let him introduce some of that. Um, he seems to be pretty humble in his uh, older age here, so I, I, I hope you'll brag a little bit on yourself, Ryan. Tell us just a little bit about your your life and um, what all you've been through to get to this point, and especially as it relates to discipline and um, you know problems you've overcome and things like that, and we'll just let you go at this for a little while here. All right, let's see if I can nail that one. That's a good introduction. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. So, like I said, Ryan Eccles, um, live in Plain City, Utah. You and I worked together at Mill Creek. It's a, it's a, a youth lockup facility. That's where we met. Um, it's a, that's one of those situations where I was, I mean, I introduced I was the per first person to be in that place and has been able to go back and work there. So you were a resident I, as a kid. I, you I, were, this is a, yeah. So yeah, I was uh, at, my senior year of, of high school, beginning of my senior year of high school, I got in a fight and somebody got injured and I ended up being sentenced there. I spent my senior year, I spent 14 months in, in lockup. Um, 
That must have been a pretty serious fight to get that kind of. You must have done some uh, damage there. Yeah, it was. I, yeah, it cost me about thirty grand in restitution. But yeah, it was. Oh my goodness! I mean, it would. It, it's just a fight. I mean, anytime a fight happens, something something bad can happen. Which is, you know, when he, when we're talking about discipline, that goes back to the exact same thing. I didn't have discipline at that point in my life. I was uh, a little wild, a little crazy at that time. Um, mm-hmm. I. I I was raised, but you know, I was I had a single mom raised, you know, my mom was an amazing woman. She, you know, she, she worked her, she worked her ass off to make sure that we had power, we had food, we had all those things, but it was just her. Um, and as a, and as a young man, and I think why as a man, I do what I do now and why I'm the father I am is because I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have a man to show me how to be the man I should be. Right. And so, mm-hmm. By the time I was 16, 17, I thought for sure that I was going to be in prison like everybody else that was doing things that I was doing. Um, and then I got sent to, to Mill Creek. I got sent to the place where, where we worked. Um, and there were some amazing men there that literally changed my life. I had men that I knew for a fact. I thought going into that place, I was the baddest person walking the planet at 16. I was a big kid at 16, 17, you know, 190 pounds at 16, 17 years old. And I thought I was way better than I really was. Um, you know, the guys who I'm talking about, there's plenty of guys that you, you, you worked with that, mm-hmm. that were there when I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I had no intentions of upsetting or, or pissing off. So, and those guys took an interest in me in a way that I, no man had, had done before. So I had a situation where I met my dad at 15. wasn't the greatest. Wow. wasn't the greatest situation. He and he and I now are extremely close. He's an amazing man now. Mm-hmm. But at that point in my life, I didn't have that. So I was a little wild for the years leading up to before I went to Mill Creek. When I got there, I realized I wasn't going to be able to go in there and just bully my way through everything. It wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the staff there were amazing. They gave me a chance to realize, humble myself, basically. That's the way, I mean, that's the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. I got humbled. They not only humbled me, but then built me up and said, Hey, you could do something. You can go to school. You can create a life for yourself. Things that I had never, my mom always encouraged me to do everything, but it's one thing for your mom to say it, but another man that you respected say it is completely different. So real quick, I just want to talk about this, this facility. So this is a secure, uh, juvenile correctional facility this isn't like you know juvie this isn't like some day camp this is a prison basically for kids up to age 21 uh this is up in northern utah this is you know razor wire there's electronic door locking mechanisms there's a control panel and this is it's 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 youth prison pretty much it's a it's a prison and there there weren't any armed the the only difference probably is that there are no armed right or at that time there weren't no one was armed there and so also when you said that you were a pretty big kid you guys he's not talking about a chubby kid (laughs) this guy swole you know he shows up with some with some muscle and uh and you and you had already been in some fights you thought you you uh, felt really confident and um some of that maybe sounds like it's coming from lack of that like fatherly role and you show up and there's these men who are the staff there and they connected, they somehow they reached you or you had a a desire to like hear what they had to say. Talk a little bit about that. Some of that stuff more. So that for sure. I think, I think every, every young man who doesn't 
have that connection with their their father and or any kind of male role model, you're always looking for it. It, it doesn't. There's no doubt that I, I deal with it every day at work with these young men that that are looking and begging for like some kind of connection to some man that will show them how to be a man. And I was not an exception to that. I was, I, like I said, I thought I was the toughest kid that, that there was at the time. <laughs> I was far from it. But um, the, the staff absolutely took me. And trust me, you know how it was. We play sports out there. You find out real quick how mm-hmm. you play football a little bit. You find out how tough you really are. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, But then they pick you up. I had guys, you know, Finn was one. He took, you know, you need to go play ball. You need to go play football. You need to get out of here and, and do more than this. This isn't what you're, you're meant to do is to be in lockup or be in prison or be dead by the time you're 21. Uh, I had no expectations for anything after I had gone through a year before that. I mean, I don't know if you want to get into that, but I can get into it. What led to me going to Mill Creek was probably what changed everything. If you want to get into that, we can, we can do that. Mm -hmm. Sure. All right. So I met my dad at 15 and it was just one of those situations where my mom sent me to go live with my dad at 15. I'd never met him. Mm -hmm. Like I said, he's an amazing dude. Now we're, uh, we're super close. We talk every day at the time he was alcoholic. Very, very violent. Um, got to meet him. Probably not the greatest summer of my life. We'll put it that way, right? Uh, I was already a violent kid, anyways. I, you know, I started boxing at ten. I was. I've always been into physical. Always like to fight. Let's put it that way. Um, I came back. My mom had had a boyfriend when I was like four or five that was like a dad to me, and has always been on my life. Even that entire time was through my. Every year we go deer hunting. Had very close to me. I got back that, that summer after meeting my dad first time and three weeks after I got back, he killed himself. Oh my God. And so it was a situation where I meet my dad, disappointment. The guy that I thought was my, you know, thought of as my father commits suicide. Oh my God. And I had no, there wasn't really, my mom didn't want to talk about it. She was still in love with this guy. You know, you know what I mean? Like she, it was rough for her to deal with it. But for me, I just shut down. And if anything, I became like a lot more aggressive and a lot more violent just because I didn't want to deal with the emotions. I didn't want to open up and tell him, hey, this sucks. I, I you know, and, and that's what led to as a year before I got put in lockup. And I was probably fighting every weekend for a, a long time before I finally got in trouble and got sent there. Um, and that, going back, just kind of full circle, then I meet these the, the staff there, and it's kind of the same thing. I've got men that I respect and men that I know physically I have no, no chance with, which is kind of it, – it, it snaps you out of how tough you think you are. And, yeah, it was – there's a bunch of great guys there. You know that. You worked with, you worked with them too. And it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't a superficial friendship. It was like – it was legit. Like – I expect you to be the man I know you can be. And if you do that, I'll be here for you. And it worked out Mm -hmm. to the point to where I left that place and was working there six years later because those men said, if you do what you need to do, we'll vouch for you and you'll come back and work here. You'll be the first person to ever be in here and come and work here. I didn't believe that at all. You know, because I'll be honest, like a lot of people told me flat out, you'll never work here because nobody ever had. But I took that as a challenge. So you, 
you were a resident. You yes. were a an inmate, yes. basically, yep. at this place, tr- a troubled kid. You'd been in enough trouble. There were probably multiple layers of, yes. you know, they have diversion programs. And, you know, you got your hand slapped and then a little more and then a little more. And then yes. you got 14 months in basically a prison and you're mm-hmm. still in high school. Right. Is that, and yeah. and and these and these guys are seeing something in you. They see something because there's a bunch of knuckleheads in there. There's a bunch of, you know idiot kids running around who just don't have any kind of structure or strengths of to speak of really. And, and they saw something in you and you saw something in them and you kind of said, Hey, I want to hear what you have to say. And they shaped you. And so you, you left there after 14 months mm-hmm. and then um, six years later, you, you got a job right. there as a, as a youth counselor, right? That's so, yeah. So I, I left, I went to Dixie, Dixie college for a little bit. Um, okay. left Dixie went, actually went and lived with my dad for a year or so. Mm-hmm. I was going to, I wanted to move to Arizona because my dad was a APS lineman, made good money doing that. Oh, wow. And, um, mm-hmm. that was my plan was to go. He was going to get me a job down there. I was going to stay in Arizona. I went down there. Um, my great grandma who had talked about earlier, who pretty much raised me, um, started having heart problems. So I moved back to Utah to take care of her. Um, Took care of her for two years until she died, and then mm. had met my ex-wife. We were dating. Mm-hmm. I was getting ready to move back to Arizona. She ended up she was pregnant, and I didn't want to do what my dad did and and leave. So I stayed, and I was doing cement work at the time, and I just happened to cement work. Yeah, so good, good hard work. Mm-hmm. I'm making decent money, but you know, not all much. I went. I just happened to stop by Mill Creek to go visit the guys, go visit the counselors that I, that I, and I kept in touch with everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Stopped by, um, I don't know, do you remember Dick Scadden? Oh, yeah, of Dick, course. So Dick, Dick <laughs> says, hey, there's an opening in control, and I want you to come apply for it. And I was like, there's no way, <laughs> there's no way they're going to hire me. You know, it's just like you, you didn't, I never thought it would happen. So, He's like, I don't, I don't care what you think. You're going to come apply for it. So I did. Applied for control. Um, got that. Got hired to control. I think it was two months later. I got offered a, a spot in Cottage to be to be counselor. And that, and I mean, to be honest, like I never at that point in my life, I didn't think that I was even still worthy of that. Like you're still mm-hmm. dealing with all the issues of like your past and trying to overcome all the things you're. You know, I was doing good. I was doing very well for myself. You know, financially and everything, but emotionally and dealing with all the things of my past was still kind of holding me back for sure. And I didn't think I was worthy of that yet, but it played out and they, you know, I, I got it and it's just I, 21 years later, I'm still there. So it's, that's amazing, dude. I mean, you're, I've just seen the, I mean, the recidivism rates for the kids <laughs> at this level, it's just very, that's one of the, that's one of the things that took me out of that career because it was, it's kind of sad, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, most of the kids that show up in those places, they end up in prison every few years. I'll, I'll look up some of the kids I worked with mm-hmm. and I see their, I see their picture in the, in the state prisons and whatever. And I can, and I, and I see, you know, how far things progressed in a worse direction mm-hmm. for them, you know, and, and it's just, it's just heartbreaking, but you're someone who, someone, someone reached you, man. And you, you, you had to reach inside yourself and say, I'm made for something better than this. And I, I know what I need to do. Something 
I, I just believe there's something special about a guy who can do that at such a young age. I mean, I didn't know this until a few years ago that our adult brain isn't even fully formed until you're like 25 or 26 years old. I mean, and, and that's, that was one of the coolest things I ever learned. And I was like, well, no wonder they wouldn't let me rent a car when I was, you know, a freshman in college right. or whatever. But so you're way ahead of your time in terms of turning things around or you, you started to in your late teenage years, were you at Mill Creek, um, after you were 18, like, were you already yeah. an adult and still locked up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, so they can't, they, they would keep kids until they're age 21. So, so how old were you when you left? I was, I was at probably 18 and a half, I think, but just on that now, okay. they just changed it here now that we're keeping kids till 25. Oh, wow. Okay. That, That's interesting. I don't know how that, those are kids, but yeah, we, it, they just, they just changed that. So, wow. yeah, I, not something that I, not a great idea for me in that facility, but I mm -hmm. mean, it's, it is what it is. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. So you're, so you're an adult and you're still in lockup, right. but pretty much. So when you get out, there's some probation or some kind of pro youth parole so, stuff where you have to go and what, what did you do after you got out of there? So I was on, I was actually on parole. So I was like 23 because I had so much restitution. So when I got done with, after I was 21, I had to go to adult because I saw I had restitution, they wouldn't let me off until my restitution was paid, which, um, Oh wow. Okay. So then once my restitution was paid off, I could actually get my record expunged. And you're talking about adult parole, not, you didn't get locked no, up. No, no, as no, an no, adult. no, never got okay. locked up again. Never. I've never had another charge since then. Okay. But you just finished out your parole through the yeah. adult program. Yeah, because I still had, I think I still had a few thousand dollars left in restitution to pay. Um, I mean, I was on my own. Dang, a few thousand. I had almost. What, did, what was the total? About 33,000. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. medical bills. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You put a hurting on somebody. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, it a bad situation. You know, think nothing I'm proud of. I don't want to glorify any of it, you know, but right. uh, fights happen and people get hurt. So. Yeah. It could happen to me just so easy. you did what you had to do. Then. Absolutely. But you finished that. You paid off 33,000 yeah. uh, parole for several years after that. Mm -hmm. And where did you, where did you pick things up from there? So uh, like I said, I went to Dixie college for a little bit. Um, wasn't a good fit for me. I'll be the first to admit to co to go from being in lockup to, you know, Dixie when it was a JC, that yeah. was a party yeah. school. That was a terrible idea sure. for me mm -hmm. to go from lockup for a year plus to go to a party school. So I lasted maybe like six, seven months. And I was like, if I don't, mm. if I don't leave it, I'm not, I'm not going to do well. Right. So went to my dad's in Arizona, um, decided I was just going to work. You know, I was going to work, work for the, the, for APS for the power company, be a lineman. And like mm -hmm. I said, then things happened with my grandma and I came up here and started doing some work at group homes. Um, so I worked at several group homes up here while I was doing other work. Um, got the time in with my schooling enough to, to where they, they hired me at Mill Creek. So that was, it worked out. And that was only a couple months here in the control room. That's where I started. That's where I was talking yeah, about. You yeah. open the doors and you're yeah. looking at cameras and you're kind of observing the flow of traffic and right. the control. You're in control of the flow of, of all the movement inside. Yep. And then only after a couple months you went and your title is, Youth counselor, what, one, two, whatever. Yeah. Well, That's, he, he, that must have been a crazy. At the, yeah, at the time. And, and the craziest thing about that is that when I got hired as a counselor, I worked in the same cottage that I was in. 
So I was in the same <laughs> unit. I was in cottage C when I was in there. And then I went back and worked in the exact same cottage. And it was, wow. it was, it was, and some of those staff were still there. Absolutely, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and I, to, that is, to be honest, like not all of them were super happy that I was working there at the time. There was a lot of negative, a lot of negative talk about me being there, which I understand as a staff now. At the time, there's a lot of, there were some very good people that were very supportive, but there's a lot of people that didn't think I should be able to work there because of what I did and that I was in there. I think by now I've probably shown that I'm worthy of being there. So, well, I, I, I got to admit, man, and I don't think we ever had any much, you know, exchange or communication or anything, but, um, or about that anyway, but I remember feeling a little confused about it. Like, how would they, you know, how do they let that happen? Or what's, you know, is that, is that, is that good? And I I wasn't really judging it. I was just, it was curious. I was like that, this has never happened before. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know, you, you're this musky, muscly, muscly dude who's, (laughs) who used to be there as a resident. I was, is this a good, good idea or not? No, I I understand that completely. And I knew that going in. And I think I I joke around with my wife all the time because I, when I left there and I said I wanted to come back and work there, people were like, it'll never happen. I guarantee you'll never work here. And I, I'll never forget, like, all right, watch. I'm going to show you that I can do that. I can do this. I tell my wife, I said, why couldn't they have you know, said I couldn't be a neurosurgeon or something that would have made me a lot more money? But it, 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 played, it played out good. You know, I feel like I, I feel like with my life before that and the way that I was, I wasn't contributing to society the way that, that anybody should right the the things i did prior to being locked up this has been my way for 21 years to give back to the community i live in and do things that, that i should have been doing the whole time right and now that i'm a father i'm a husband all these things and and for the boys i work with they deserve that effort and the energy i put into them to make up for everything i did it's it's a big deal to me because i feel like i did i wasn't the greatest person from you know, maybe 15, 14, 15 to, to 18. So I was in there. Um, there are a lot of things I feel like I've always needed to make up for. And it's our being hard on ourselves for sure. But to me, I'm like, this is my way of giving back. I, I said, when I started, if I could help one kid the way I was helped, then I've done what I wanted to do. And I actually had a, I have a kid that I had probably, 15, 16 years ago that named his son after me two years ago. Wow. And, that's awesome, man. To be honest, it's, it's a little, my, my wife, we were upstairs and he'd messaged me on Facebook and was like, sent me a picture of his baby. And I had him for four years at, at that place. He came in at 13 and left at almost 18. No family, super good kid, just bad situation. Just good kid. It's been, he's doing amazing sense. Um, he messaged me and said, Hey, I, my baby was born. And, he sends me the picture. I didn't notice like the name tag on it. And and, and I'm like, he's like, you see the name? And I'm like, I, I go back and look and my wife's like, are you getting emotional? I'm like, yeah, it, like literally after, you know, at that point, like 17 years of doing this, like that is a, that's a huge deal to impact somebody's life that much. Like it, it, it was, it was amazing to me. Wow. What an, what, yeah. what an, what an honor, man. Yeah. And well, go ahead. Well, I just, the, you know, everything that you're describing from, from kind of what was missing for you in the beginning, that's why this whole thing exists, man. We have we kind of have a smaller, you know, following we've got, you know, I don't know, two fifty three hundred downloads per episode. We've got a little Facebook group and, and, um, but 
the idea is that men are suffering because of what other men are like in their lives. And so if you're, if you didn't have the best um, role models and things and, and you didn't have the kind of presence that you needed somebody to, you know, rough you up a little bit and love you at the same time, um, you ended up finding that. Thank God you ended up finding that in lockup. You know, you're in a, you're in a youth prison and you had some guys who probably roughed you up a little bit and loved on you some too, and kind of get, gave you some encouragement and gave you some, you know, hold up the mirror and show you to yourself and they tell you what you can be. And then, and then you, you went out there and probably just stubborn enough to, uh, to, to say you want to prove it. And, and you did that. And that's come full circle to where now you've got kids who've been out of that system for 15 years or whatever length of time. And they're naming their kids after you. That is dude, that's, that's success that began out of failure. And now you're a dad, you, you're married and have uh, a, t- talk about your kids and your family situation. Okay, so I, <laughs> so I have total, I have six, I have six kids. I had four when I met my wife. She had two boys. So I've got two stepsons. We have two together. So we have eight in total, which, and we, Good. we had, was, I thought I had a bunch of kids. Right? You drive a, you, y'all got a, like a tour bus or something we, over there. How do you <laughs> shuttle we'll, bus? We'll, we'll need it. If everybody comes home, that's the thing. We've luckily not uh, my older kids. I've got a 22 and a 20 year old that are out on their own. Uh, my wife's 19 year olds in Hawaii going to school. So we're lucky enough right now. We probably have, three or four, maybe five at the most on a rate, you know, a weekly basis. So it's, you got a 22 year old. That yeah, is crazy, yeah. dude. To me, I, I rem- I'm thinking you're, you're 22. Right. Like that's when I knew you, you were like, right. you were pretty young right. like that. So I, it's weird to think you got a 22 year old. Yeah. I have an 18. My, my, uh, my oldest is 18. Yeah. So it, we're getting old, it, man. It, so it, eight it, kids all together, yours, mine and ours. Exactly. Right. Yep. Yep. And I, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, it's not the easiest thing to blend families for sure. Um, it's a lot of work, but with, I think with the connection I have with my wife, I mean, we've, we've made it work for sure. It's like I said, it's not always easy. It's definitely not easy. And then like I said, we have our two together, which are, it's funny because we kind of had our own, like, uh, when I met her, we started dating, she only had boys and she wanted a daughter. And I, I was like, well, absolutely. I'll make sure you can have a daughter. So our first, first baby was a little girl. So she got her daughter. Oh, so right. She's basically like the miniature version of my wife. Exactly like her. And then she got pregnant about a year later and we had our son who's literally like exactly like me. It's funny because it's like our <laughs> miniature versions of each other yeah. to finish it out. So, and that's it. I mean, we're, we're, we're <laughs> both, done for sure. We've got a mini yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, at twenty, if you got twenty-something-year-old kids, you're going to be a grandfather I, soon. I, I, I mean, we're probably. I'm a grandfather. Actually, my, my, oh, you yeah, are. I am, oh, yeah, I'm a grandfather. My 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 oldest daughter made me a grandpa a year ago in December. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, congratulations, man. Yeah. So your kid, your your older kids, good relationships with them. Is that all kind of yeah. you know? I mean, I'm sure you went through a lot together. It, yeah, I think. Um, I mean, in that situation, I think like we've always been close. I was always dad first no matter what, like whether I was, whether I was fighting, whether I was, it didn't matter. I, I, I mean, like I said, we didn't really talk a whole lot, but I've never been, I don't go out much. I don't party a lot. I, I've had my, my time for sure. I won't deny that. But when I had kids, it was like, I've always felt like I needed to be what I didn't have. And so 
that's always been a priority to me. Being a dad is a big deal. I've messed a lot of shit up in my life, but being a dad is something that I've tried to be my best at. Now with my wife, now I've tried to be a good husband. It's just trying to mature and grow and, and be better at things. My older kids, yes, we went, they, they went through a lot of, more than they should have because of the relationship that me and their mom had. But I was always there. I mean, the only thing I can say, I'm not perfect by any means, but I showed up every day. I was there every day. Um, yeah, I mean, we're all close. We've always been very close. We talk all the time. My, my daughter, my oldest daughter's in California with her baby and, and her baby's dad. All the rest of my kids are here, you know, around town. And uh, I still see all of them. Like my other kids with my ex, I, I get them every week. Like it, it works out. I've got a, wow. my, my, I've got an 11 year old. And it's funny. Cause when, when me and Lindsay, my wife, when we met, she had a, a three-year-old and I had a two-year-old and they're eight months apart, two boys. Oh boy. And now they're, now they're 11 and almost tw- like my stepson will be 12 next week. And my son's 11 and it, they're close as hell. Like they're super close, but there have been mm-hmm. a lot of battles between those two. This, yeah, but those two are by far the closest because they're closest in age and it's, it's worked mm-hmm. out. Like I said, it's, it, it's been rough. It's hard to blend everything greatly, but I can't, I can't complain. It's been, it's been good. So this topic about discipline, I mean, you went from a life maybe of no discipline. There doesn't seem like there was a lot of discipline even in, in, in your home or not the right kind of, you know, structure and discipline. And and you turn things around. You're a family man now. You do, you're still doing a lot with, um, you know, fitness. And you've talked about, I want you to talk about, you know, MMA and fighting. You've done some uh, you know, you started out maybe just street fighting, got you in trouble, but you, but you wanted to harness that into something that was about, you know, you, that's what I've noticed about you over the years is just your commitment to like working out. You'll have a picture of your, you know, one of your little ones running around like leg day, you know, and there's my workout partner. And, uh, you're, you, so you continue that you seem to be a guy who for the most part, isn't one to make a lot of excuses. I know we all have our off days and we get off track for a little bit, but you've done it enough that you've stayed fairly consistent from what I can tell from what I know about you and to look, to look at you, I can tell that you've got a, you've got a way to grind and, and I want to come back to um, discipline. And so you, you've talked about career stuff, what motivates you there, your family, um, how, well, talk about fighting though, because you, you, you took some of that maybe anger or the desire to be physical and fight and you know, the, this violent nature and to turn it into something more like an art form MMA. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's an art. I, I, it's it, for me, it's weird how it played out. And I'm not sure this is like, a, it's happened to thousands of people, right? I was a, a product of a single mom, right? I had, and I was probably, I was the only child till I was 10. My, it was just me till I was 10. I was probably a little, not little. I was definitely a little chubby kid for a long time. So I was probably 10 to about 13. Uh, my mom always had me in sports. I wasn't very great. I wasn't very great at sports for a very long time. And she, my mom married my, she met my, my sister's dad and they got married. He was pushing, you know, he was, he was a good athlete. Wasn't the nicest guy ever, but pushed me. And it kind of motivated me to like, cause they would constantly, there's like comments about not being athletic. And so I, probably at 13 really pushed myself to get in shape and not be clumsy and 
overweight, started working out all the time at 13. My mom started taking me to the gym at 13. Um, and then I started boxing around the same time. My grandpa boxed, he was boxing in the army. Like you had, oh, you wow. had to, yeah, you had to be able to handle yourself in my, my family. They were a little, a little rough. Um, so it was a lot of, for me, it was proving people wrong even then. And people, when I say people like my stepdad, I wanted to like, all right, you think you're a good athlete, watch. I'm going to show you that I can be a good athlete. I went from being, um, at, at 12, I was a center on my football team. And at 13, I was a running, mm -hmm. I was a running back and inside linebacker just based, wow. based off of the effort I put in. And mm -hmm. it just always seemed to be, for some reason, I would always just choose violence at that time. Right. I couldn't handle people saying things or people criticizing me. It would always be like, all right, I'll tell you exactly what happened. I was probably 13 years old and um, there's a kid that pick on me every day, walking home from school every day, always something pushed you, you spit on you, do those things. Uh, the last week before my, my end of my sixth grade year, I turned around and punched this kid in the face, dropped him. He was eighth grader, broke his nose. First time I'd ever hit anybody and dropped him. And it was like, I became like this little miniature celebrity in my little, in my little neighborhood. It's like, wait a minute. If I actually fight back and I'm decent at it, people like me, right? I don't have to be this nerd that nobody likes anymore. And that's what started everything. And then it became like, mm. um, and to be honest, at that point, like I didn't have a lot of friends. I was a chubby kid that liked to read books and play with pet, like my animals and stuff. I didn't, I was a single kid. But then people like, oh, you, you beat up so-and-so. And then, you know, a few months later, I beat up somebody else. And you start building this fake persona almost at that time. Because nobody's, nobody's mm. guiding me. Nobody is saying like, look, this is a, this is the way to do things. Like definitely defend yourself. Don't let people, you know, put their hands on you or anything. I, I didn't get that. My mom was definitely like, don't, if somebody picks on you, don't come home unless you go, you go handle it. You see my mom, that's definitely how my mom, like, don't, if you get beat up, you got to go back and fight again until you, until you do win or don't come back. But she was at work, you know, she worked a lot. She had to, cause it was just us. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so for those years, it was just like, I got a lot of that rush and adrenaline and what I thought was people liking me for being violent, but not fast forward to the, to the point from that to when I got locked up, I didn't hear from anybody. Like all these people that said mm -hmm. that, Oh, I'll, I'll write you. I'll, we'll be there for you. You realize real quick when you get locked up that nobody really cares. There's just very few people in life that are going to be there for you when you need them. And it's always your, your tribe. It's your family. A very small circle. It's, I've always kept a very small circle for that reason. Because I learned at 17 years old when I got locked up. All those people that say they care, they, it's all lip service. It's all it is. You know, you know everybody knows that now. It's, at our age, like, you yeah. start realizing. Like, mm -hmm. um, and so from that, when I got out of lockup, probably about 90... 95 is when the first UFC started. And it's like, wait a minute, you can fight somebody and not go to jail for it. Or you cannot get locked up for it. And, and, you know, and in Arizona at the time, there's some underground stuff that we make you get a hundred bucks, go fight that kind of thing. I did that for a while. And it was just, I started doing jujitsu and, 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 and all that. And it brought some kind of like normalcy to my passion for that without it being like a, a overly aggressive, um, 
it's hard to explain like a cry yeah, it yeah. was and it was there's a lot of it it was like um just rebelling back for everything right? everybody you know just being too much and now i can do it and it's just it's an art form right i can do jujitsu i can do mm-hmm. muay thai i can do boxing and i can help train kids and i can do all these things in this physical expression of greatness that doesn't have to be a crime and it doesn't have to be violent and you start realizing i think that's where honestly where my fight career went south was when I started looking at like an art form because then I couldn't be that violent person mm. anymore. I could, if it, if it mm. comes to a street fight to, or to protect my family, it's still there. But the art form of, of that, it's it kind of, it changed a lot of things for me because I, and I had kids when I had kids, it made me a little softer. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to deny that, but so yeah, it was it, MMA, jujitsu, all that stuff. It, it, it was a big part of helping me, you know, stay on the, on the right track for sure. So talk about discipline. I mean, just in general, and we'll and we'll get into some specific questions here, but the change for you at some point, you went from just, you know, hellion, street fighter, violent guy who was just, you know, locked up. And at some point, what you had to learn or discover, maybe the hard way, maybe it was a choice, maybe you would lay there at night and think, I got to be a better dude. I mean, what? how did you get to be so disciplined? Because you can't have... A, a successful blended family. You can't have a pretty, you know, solid body as a 40. How old are 46. you? You can't be 46 and have, you know, be built like this. You can't have a successful blended family and a 21 year career in a very stressful job. And you can't keep all that together. If you don't have a sense of discipline, right. I can tell from your, from your, uh, from your posts and things like you've got a beautiful home, like you got some things figured right. out, Ryan. And, and I just wonder how, like, how did discipline create that for you? Cause you were headed, I don't know the numbers, but it used to be high, high numbers. I mean, 70, 80% of those right. kids in those facilities end up in yep. prison. You were headed there. Uh, you turned it around with discipline. How, how did you do that? Honestly, it was, uh, if I'm being honest, before I went to Mill Creek, I thought for sure, I mean, you're talking about the time, like the mid nineties, early nineties, it was crazy, you know, crazy time. I thought for sure I'd, I would be in prison. I thought I would probably be dead by the time I was 21. This is life. This is the way I was. I'm not nothing to be proud of at all or anything like that, but I, it took me about a month of being in Mill Creek, of being locked up. I was like, yeah, this is not the life I want. This isn't what I want. I just, I'm watching everybody around me and the things they're doing and, and the life that they're living. And I don't want that. I don't know how to live it at that point. And I talk about this with my kids a lot. I, I started doing meditation. I had my mom bring in a lot of books on meditation. I started reading every religious book I could find it was the old Testament, new Testament, the Quran, every Buddhist writing ever, uh, the Bhagavad Gita. I read everything I could. All I did is read in my spirit. So I'm in my room right that night. I'm, Locked down. I read and I, you know, I worked out. I, I read and worked out. That was my meditation. And I started developing a pattern of learning. And I, I talk to my kids a lot about this at work is they think meditation is a chore, right? When in reality, it's a situation where you're trying to find that moment between thoughts that lead to the situation that gets you in trouble and learning to take that break and snapping yourself out of that repetitive habit you have of doing the same shit that gets you in trouble all the time and just taking a break. Stop. Wait a minute. Let me catch myself. And that's what it was. And it did a mm-hmm. lot of practice. I'm still, I'm still practicing it to this day. 
But mm-hmm. that was the original plan. It's like, all right, I've got to get this impulsive, violent streak out of my head. I've got to learn to deal with this. And then I've got to realize that I'm worthy and capable of a normal life. And it was, it's been a process for sure. It's been, it's wow. been a great process and, and a hard process. And like I said, when discipline, it's like we, as we get older, especially our, my body is beat up. I mean, I've had more injuries and surgeries than I want to talk about, but I still have to do something every day. I still need to get up and move. I still need to try to eat well. We have our, I mean, me and my wife, you know, that's one thing that, I think my, one of the reasons my wife's Instagram blew up because we did, after we had our last baby, we were both overweight and we were at um, Universal Studios for our honeymoon after our second baby was born. Um, and I look like Shrek standing next to Shrek in one of the pictures. And she, she <laughs> I was 273 at the time, um, not in any kind of shape, a horrible shape. Um, and she was, you know, I won't say what her weight was, but she, she was bigger too. She just had a baby. She didn't like, she didn't she like didn't, she, she looked. She didn't like you know, how she looked. Yeah. So we got back and I was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to diet, but I'm doing the diet. You're just going to do what I say. And she said, I trust you. And she's lost, like she lost like 80 pounds. I lost 86 pounds. And wow. it's, it's been a lifestyle change more so than just, are we going to diet? Like we stopped eating chips and salsa every night while we drank beer on the couch and talked to each other. It's just been a complete mm-hmm. lifestyle change. And that discipline was a, that was the beginning of this reinvention of myself at almost, you know, at 40, 42, like where I was like, all right, I had my side, side note, but like my, my 11 year old now was like five at the time. And he's looking through my phone on Facebook and he's looking at my pictures and he sees a picture of one of my fight posters. And he's like, who's that? And I was like, that's me. He's like, no, it's not. He's like, you're too fat. That's not you. <laughs> it's like that five-year-old honesty, <laughs> that five-year-old honesty. That's not like he wasn't being mean. It was just reality. Like, yeah, you don't look anything like that. You're, you know, 185 pounds in this picture. You're 270 right now. And that, and then I had issues with my blood pressure. I was in the hospital like three times in a year for my blood pressure. It, it, wow. I was like, and, and one of the last times I was there, uh, my doctor's like, if you want to see these kids make it to high school, you've got to make some changes, you know, stop drinking so much, stop eating the way you're eating, mm-hmm. start exercising more. He's like, it's obvious that you, you know what to do. So, and it was, it was a wake up call for sure. Cause you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of drama that went on with my divorce leading into my marriage that caused a lot of issues with me and my current wife that we battled through. And that whole weight loss mm-hmm. process made us so much stronger because we did it together that we overcame that and became like the strong, I mean, I, I don't, I couldn't be with anybody better in my life. Like she's the best person for me ever. And she, you know, I hope, you know, I think she feels the same way. We've done a great job together as a team, but that team has been like the discipline of just devoting myself to her was something that I'd never done before. You know, I wasn't the greatest husband or anything before I, I met my wife and I was miserable. And so with this situation, I'm like, I'm going all in. I'm going to devote everything to my family, to my wife. And it has been an amazing eight years that we've been together. And, you know, the first few were, were a little rough, but these last four have been amazing. We've done mm-hmm. some good things together and we still are. It's, I think I must've caught you guys. I, m- I must've caught you on Instagram right around that time. Yeah. And I don't know if I follow her or if I just see mm-hmm. it because you're tagged in it or whatever, how I, how I know, but 
I see both your stuff and it looks like, man, it looks like you have a, a decent relationship. And I know people talk, you know, they talk right. smack yeah. about, uh, social media is not real and whatever, but yeah. I can tell, man, I'm a, I'm a person who can, I can, I can look into, you know, yeah. Yeah. this is my job yeah. as a, as a therapist. I look at people and I can read what the vibe is and, and it seems very good that you have a solid relationship, yeah. you know, and you're doing this stuff together. Um, yeah. And it's amazing that, and you're talking about that we can drift, you know, we, even when you, you've, you've known these things mm -hmm. in the past, you were all swole and fit before, and then you, we drift a little bit. And then if you make your mind up, so the mindset is a, is an important part of this. You got to make your mind up to be disciplined. Right. And you've done that in, at some pretty pivotal times in your life, uh, as a younger person in the, in the, in lockup, um, when you decided to come back, you wanted to, to prove everybody wrong that you couldn't work there. You did that. And then later on, you know, you got, you got uh, blood pressure problems and the doctor says you need to change yeah. and you did. Yeah. It's a mindset. Did. Yeah. Um, how, do, how do you talk? How did you talk to yourself? Like, what did you say? So the doctor says, you're not going to make it for these kids to graduate. You need to make change. Okay. How did you begin to talk to yourself about the daily discipline you needed uh, honestly like it, it had been so I, I had my car accident in 2009 and that was the beginning of like me spiraling down before i met my wife like she caught me bottom spiral and so I, for whatever reason she just still decided to make it work with me but i was still recovering from that like i couldn't fight anymore i couldn't train the way i wanted to um i kind of given up like i really wasn't working out and then we had our we had our babies and then I'm like, I've given, I've given so much to my older kids with them being in the gym with me every day and them seeing me as this, not the, the baddest man on the planet by any means, but my kids, my older kids knew like my dad will take care of me if something happens, right? My dad is a pretty bad dude that at least if somebody comes at us, you know, protect us. And now I'm this overweight guy that's not doing anything. And my younger kids, are, they have no idea. They can see pictures, but they've never seen me that way. And it was a, that was a big thing for me is my kids deserve to see me at least at the best I could be now. I'll probably never be what I was, but they deserve to see me at the best I can be now. Right. And so it was a rough, I mean, my body's beat up, you know, the things I've done, but it's like, I owe it to my kids and I owe it to myself to be, to go out at least on top in their eyes. Right. Like let them see me be the best I can be at 46. You know, it's, um, I didn't want my kids to be embarrassed at me dropping them off at school. <laughs> like dad dropped me off down the corner because I, you know, I don't want my friends to see you. I remember thinking that like when I was at my heaviest, like were my kids embarrassed to have me drop them off? Like, and it was a big thing. So I'm like, you know what, you, you know what to do. You've done it for your whole life. Like you've done this before. So it's time to like get off your ass and do it. And it, that was it. Like, and it was a daily thing, like just in my head. Because I work like right now I work all six to two. So 6 a.m. To, to, to 2, 2 p.m. So I'm at 430. Get up, get up, do something. Right. Get up and move. And then when I get off of work, you get home. I go straight to the garage. I got a, a gym in the garage or I go to the gym in town. But usually if the weather's nice, I'll work out in the garage. I've got a nice gym in my garage. When I get home and the kids get there, it's you've seen the you've seen the, the YouTube, the videos on Instagram. It's I'm out there working out. My kids are playing or they're working out with me. I want everybody out doing something. Let's get out and get physical, get in the sunlight, be active. And if I don't, I'll catch myself being lazy. And I'll, my, my, like my youngest son, my five-year-old is like, dad, are we going to go work out? And it's like, all right, there you go. There you go. He's calling you on it. It's time to get up and get moving. So uh, yeah. 
dude, that's awesome for them to see you make the changes, to be kind of involved with it, to be around that stuff, to, you know, they're, they're never going to walk into a gym as an adult and heard, you know, 45 pound plates clink for the first time. I mean, they would have seen and, and see what it does for you and see how it affects your mood and your family, your relationship to your wife. I mean, they would have been, uh, you know, an observer of all this growth and all this like discipline here. So um, why is it so important to you? Why is discipline such an important thing for you? It, I, honestly, because if I didn't create my own discipline, like we talked about at the beginning, nobody taught me how to do any of this stuff. I, I basically, I had to like kind of fake it until I became who I wanted to be. And, and, and that started with me being disciplined in certain things, exercising, um, learning to control my temper, learning to control the way I talk to people, um, learning to fit into environments that I didn't understand how to be around. That's one thing I forgot to say earlier is like when I went to Dixie after getting out of lockup, I went from being in a situation with murderers and, and, and gangsters, right, to a situation where all these kids are normal. And I've got to pretend like I know how to hang out with them. And it, honestly, at that point, I really didn't know how to hang out. I didn't come from, like, the greatest situation. It came from, you know, we lived in a poor area. Uh, when I was living in Arizona, I was probably the only white kid in two blocks. I come to, to, to go to college, and it's like being around people that are normal, which was intriguing. I, I wanted to, to do that. But I was just, like, watching and seeing how to fit in. And it's kind of been a process for me of creating my life that way. Like I, I, I look for people like I, to see like that's I want my life to be that way. All right, so how do I do that? I've got to make it happen myself, right? I can't do the things I did before because if I do that, I'm going to get what I got before. And that discipline, that discipline of like saying I am not going to go back to that person that I was. I'm not going to live that life anymore. And whatever I've got to do, you know, how uncomfortable it gets, I'm going to do that. I think for some people, and I've been for sure been this person, people talk about, especially with like diet and fitness routines and stuff like that, they 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 feel like they failed if they don't stick to it 100%. I had a client here recently, he was talking about, you know, man, I do this for two weeks and then I'm off for two weeks and then I do it for two weeks. And I'm like, all right, I see why you're upset. But dude, you, you spent half of the year last year, uh, you know, focused and, 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 being intentional about what you eat and what you do with your body. That's not, it's not that bad. That's better than most right. people. Even if you're on and off of it, don't get tripped up about the fact that you, you know, you've been slipping, pick it back yep. up. Tomorrow's a new day and just get yourself back in gear with, with whatever thing, whatever thing it might be. Um, what about, what about routines? Like a, a lot of, it seems like discipline has a lot to do with structure mm -hmm and routines. We had this uh, two-star general on last, uh, last in the last episode, and he was talking about, you know, discipline so many times has to do with structure. Right. There's a, a time for this. It's, it's leg day today. It's, you know, back and biceps or whatever. Like when it comes to routines for you, what's been helpful from throughout your life? I mean, what kinds of routines have helped you stay focused? All right. So uh, before that, I want to get to the, before, when with people taking the, the two weeks on two weeks off, right. That, oh, yeah. that that's something mm -hmm. I want to touch on. Cause when, when my wife started this process with me, I told her flat out, we're going 12 weeks, no cheating, no glasses of wine, <laughs> nothing. 
period. I'm going to hold you 100% accountable. After that 12 weeks, if you want to have a cheat meal, and so we, we, we're we at a, a point now where we will have a cheat meal Saturday or Sunday. We go on a date. I date my wife every week. Mm-hmm. We and her go on a date every week. I make sure that we do that. And if she wants a, a, a glass of wine, we have a glass of wine. And if she wants some French fries or pizza, we have it, right? Like you said, that doing more than you would do regularly is always going to be better than nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, getting back to that. So, yeah, when it comes to my routine, it's I want the hardest thing first, right? So it's always International Chest Day okay. on Monday, right? It's always everybody does chest on Monday. I do legs on Monday and I do le- <laughs> I do legs again on Friday. Ooh. I decided that I needed to do something. When I came back and I started working out again, I mean, when I was 23, 24, I was benching 515. I was a little bit of a freak of nature, you know, 23, 24 years old, squatting seven, deadlifting seven. Um, it beat my body up. So obviously now if I'm, if I hit 315 on bench, I'm elated with it. Right. But I, my shoulders don't, don't hold it up very much anymore, but mm-hmm. I have to do things now harder when I don't want to do them. So if I take Sunday off, I need to hit legs on Monday. And then I've gone into a situation where I do like a push pull legs. So I'll do chest, shoulders, triceps one day, back biceps, traps, and then legs. Or I'll do them opposite. So I, I try to do back, biceps, traps, chest, shoulder, triceps, legs, day off, go. But if I'm really pushing it, I won't take a day off. And I'll just go out. I might do lighter work, but I'm always making sure I do something. I want to get up and do something every day. Does it happen all the time? No. There's no doubt. Like, I have days where I'm just beat up. My body's hammered. I, I need the Epsom salt bath and the massager. And the heating mm-hmm. pad, you know, yeah. but, and I, mm-hmm. I, and I've kind of learned to, like I said, I'm 46 at this point. It's like, I, I can't beat myself up over missing a day. I definitely like to get out and walk. Just make sure I get my 10,000 steps in every day minimum. Um, but if my body's really beat up, I probably should take a little bit of a break. So I've kind of eased up on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I like to set up like at least like a, a 12 week. This is what I'm going to do for 12 weeks. And I need to hit those goals. I need to say, I'm going to hit these workouts every week for these 12 weeks. And then if I need a couple of weeks to scale it back and take a break, so be it. Right. That's how I have to do things. Cause if I give myself too much leeway, I, I, I'm like, ah, I can do it tomorrow. And I can't do that. It just, it hasn't worked out for me in the past. I have to just hold myself accountable and force it to happen. What's magic about 12 weeks? I mean, that's it's, so three months, so, three months, I guess. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of 90, 90 days or whatever. It's just me mentally. I don't even, I can't, I don't have a reason. Honestly, it's just 12 weeks. Yeah, that's what works. works for yeah. me. I, honestly, after like three or four weeks, I've got to like, as far as pushing weight, I've got to dial it back a little bit, but the work effort is still there. Like my shoulders won't uh-huh. hold up. if I'm trying to push heavy for 12 weeks, but the work output has to be there for 12 weeks for me. And then after that 12 weeks, I can say, uh-huh. all right, you might have earned a couple of weeks of scaling it back a little bit. And I, I mean, I'm just trying to stay somewhat average now, but that's just always worked for me. So mm-hmm. that's what I, that's what I do. So, um, all right, you're talking about getting up at four 30 in the morning. You work at mm-hmm. six. So you're already, you're already, you're already, you know, running, you've already got something going, some physical activity going before you even go to work you're early in the morning. That's when you do that. Um, you talked about having some occasion, you'll have a, a, 
like a Saturday or Sunday cheat meal yeah. or whatever. Uh, what other what other what other kind of forms of discipline for you? Because this is more than just about. I think some of your strengths are fitness and and diet yeah. and stuff like that. But what other things? Like w- let's talk about like um, you know your environment, your space, your uh, your stuff, maintaining your um, mood. You know your your money, your actions. Talk about other types of things. I, you know, it's. I would say like my my environment is. For me, it's controlled chaos because we got all these kids running around, right? But that is mm-hmm. where, where I find my peace. Like, I couldn't be any happier or any calmer mentally than seeing my children thrive and be happy and have the things that I didn't have. So they can come out and say, hey, Dad, can we go outside and do something? I never was able to do that. So I find, for me, that's like the biggest thing. It's more than money. It's more than working out. It's more than anything. My boys and my girls can come and say, Dad, can you do this with me? And that's, that's a huge thing. I mean, for me, that's a, one of the biggest things I've done in my life is be a dad. Then I always make sure that I, I try to explain to them, like, exercise is one thing, but we need to need to read. So I make sure that everybody's got to, we read books here. We, you have to read. We're not going to sit on electronics all day long. It's limited time on electronics. I do the same thing for myself. Um, shut everything down. I like to shut everything down before bed, at least an hour or so before bed. Um, try to read something, get my brain to relax a little bit because, you know, getting older, it's harder to sleep. <laughs> um, yeah. I, that, there's There's got to be some pushback on that. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, one, one of, so there's discipline, there's individual discipline. So that's you taking care of yourself. That's you doing your routine, but then as a leader or as a, you know, counselor in your work or as a father, you got to, be disciplined because I'm sure you get pushed back from the kids. They, you want to take their devices. You want them to read. They're going to give you a hard time, or I'm sure maybe in the beginning they did anyway. And um, you got to be disciplined enough to not buy into the, you know, not cave when they, when they fuss a little bit. For sure. I mean, and they still, they still do. There's no question. It's uh, my, <laughs> my, my daughter, my seven-year-old, if you watch same, she's kind of the, she's definitely the princess of the house. Um, mm-hmm. Every day. Still, this has always been a rule, but no Kindles or anything at, at dinner. Like, you, there's no electronics at dinner. You put everything down. She still asks every day. She will still bring it in every day. What about today? Can I can I can I watch it today? No, you know you can't watch it. And it's literally the same thing. It's a, she's, yeah. She's, she's yeah. hoping for a she, crack she, in the just a possible yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't blame her. I mean, good for her for trying. But that's just that's one of my things the same thing at night before bed you don't have their time that they can use it but it's time to shut it off it's off and is it hard absolutely and like discipline on my end it there's times i would just as soon let him use it so i can relax and go to bed and not fight Mm -hmm. him but i'm not benefiting them by doing that so yeah it's harder to be that to be that person say no we're shutting everything off right now we're not having it on at dinner but yeah it's, it's a lot more work for sure when you were talking about environment, it's controlled chaos because of the kids. I don't believe that that, I mean, not any worse than any, anyone else's home, but I mean, but how do you, how do you look at, how do you see the like upkeep of your place and stuff like that? I mean, I just, everything I've seen is always, things look pretty well put together. Absolutely. That's a, that's a big, a big thing for me is everybody has, I mean, everybody has chores every day. They have their chores they have to do. Even my five-year-old has chores to do. Nothing, I mean, he's not scrubbing the floors or anything like that, but 
everybody has a part, right? Is it this house? I, I tell everybody, this, this is our tribe. If we don't take care of this, nobody will, right? So everybody has to do their part. And my wife is definitely somebody that, is, that doesn't want to come home. I get off at two o'clock every day. My wife is off at five, so she's home around five thirty or six. So I make dinner. I take care of her, all that stuff before she gets home. I make sure the kids know your mom does not want to come home to a mess. Because if she comes home to a mess, then I'm going to hear about it. And then you've got to hear about me. So let's just get everything done the best we can. I mean, granted, with all the kids we've got, it's not completely perfect. But yes, our house is very, we try to keep it as clean and straightened as possible. But sure. it's a lot of work. I like how you're saying, you. well, dude, I like how you're saying that you, so you're, you're up super early. Mm -hmm. You're working out before you even go to work at 6 a.m. Home by two. You got three hours or so with the kids before she gets home and you're doing dinner and picking things up and handling kids. Like there are so many men out there who just, they don't or won't do that. I, I know there's plenty who do right. and hats off to everybody who can do that, but that's pretty mature of you. That's being a grown ass man. When you're up working out at 4.30, go to work eight hours, come home, do the dinner, take care of your kids, and 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 looking after mama too, right. you know? I mean, that's that's pretty awesome that you do that. I, I picked that up a lot from your, your social media, just that you, uh, you're you really a team and you, you're, you're definitely pulling your weight. For, yeah, for sure. I think that's it. I mean, like, like I said, so sometimes I work out with the kids when they get home. So if the kids want to work out, work out again at, at 3.20 when they get home from school. We're outside. I want if it's nice. We're outside. At four thirty, it's time to feed them, right? Yeah, I, I just feel like I'm home, right? I've already worked. My wife's still at work. The least I can do is take care of the things I can take care of at home, so that when she gets home, we can have dinner together, and we can hang out. So we can spend time together because then that's our time together. If I waste that time just doing nothing, then that ruins our connection, right? And as her husband, the least I can do is help her out while she's still at work. When I get up in the when I get up to take a shower in the morning, and I'm getting ready for work. I come out and she's got my coffee ready. She's got my lunch in my in a bag ready for me. She takes care of me the same way. Mm -hmm. So the least I can do is do my part. You know what I mean? Like we're a team. If we don't work as a team, then this doesn't really work. And I, I like to cook anyways, so it's not a big deal to me. You know, yeah. and that's I feel like it's my responsibility. To, she's at work. I'm home. I can do that. You know, we began this talking about your time in lockup and then, you know, your 21 year career, you've been working in that system ever since. And I wonder if that was a part of your change. You know, you were, did I pick up that you were an only child? You were well, raised by single moms and only yeah, child. Yeah, I, I have a sister here that I was 10 when she was born. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so pr pretty virtually, much. Yeah. I mean, you, pr pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So you go from kind of being able to do what you want to do and run around and whatever to this very highly structured, this is the wake up yeah. time. This is the day you have to sweep. Mm -hmm. This is when you have your chores. Here's when we have group. There's, there's school time. There's, here's when we go outside. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of structure. And I remember working there that that was one of the things that seemed these kids who come there, they could thrive because of structure. If they went back home into chaos, you know, they would, go back into the same old patterns. But do you think that made a difference in how you see your use of time and your, your entire way of discipline now that at some point it went from, you could do whatever you want. You ran around and did whatever to a highly structured daily, some daily kind of rituals. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, my mom was somebody that like you, you did your chores. You made sure the house was clean. But she worked a lot. So I still mm -hmm. had the freedom to do, you know what I mean? So um, 
But when I went to Mill Creek, actually, back then, I worked in the kitchen every day because the kids could work in the kitchen because we had I had so much restitution mm-hmm. that I worked in the kitchen at six o'clock every morning till three thirty, and I did that for the entire time I was there, and that definitely created habits and discipline for me to get up every morning and be ready for work. So it's always worked out for me that way. When I got out of Mill Creek, I just automatically started getting up early and getting things done. And I had never done that before that, for sure. I'd get up, you know, 20 minutes before I had to be to school and that was it. But yeah, it, it played a huge. And I'm guessing with, oh, go ahead. I'm guessing when you're working, I'm guessing when you're working in a kitchen, that was optional. I mean, yeah. they, they probably offered it, but maybe you didn't have to do that, but you chose to, to take advantage of, see, I don't know. I guess what I'm picking up from you, Ryan, man, is that you're, you're seeing opportunities all the time. You're saying, all right, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity to my kids. Here's an opportunity. Here's, here's what I can work out. Here's the best time for me to work out for in the morning. Um, here's an opportunity for me to get things set up for my wife. Here's an opportunity. And I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity. And that's what's making things work for you. Cause you're noticing, you know, you're 16, 17, whatever in the, in the, in lockup. And you're thinking, I've got all this restitution and I got a chance to work and let me work a bunch of that off as much as yep. possible. I just love yep. it, man. You're, you're seeing that somebody's handing you some yep. time. Somebody's handing you an opportunity. Here's an experience you could have. Here's, and you take advantage of opportunities. Absolutely. That was a, I mean, like I said, you remember Dick Scadden, my first day in Mill Creek, my first full day at Mill Creek, I went to school and he came in. He's like, Hey, get your ass up. And you're going to the kitchen. You're going to work. You've got this restitution. We're going to get it. He's like, are you willing to work? I said, absolutely. I'm willing to work. He goes, good. Cause you can eat whatever you want in there. And then, and then when you're done, you can go work out. And so I, I have an opportunity to work off my restitution. We'd have omelets every morning for breakfast while the kids had cereal. <laughs> so working in the kitchen, there's two things. Mm-hmm. I'm working my hours off, but I also get to eat more food and I'm working out every day. So it's like, it, it was a win-win for me for sure. But absolutely, I didn't want to, waste time in there i think you work there you understand like a lot of these kids go there mm-hmm. and it's just they play they cards coach, all day they, yeah. coach. they don't want to make any change and it's sad it's sad to see people just waste time because what happens and then you see them when they're 30 and they're just getting out of prison they're doing the same thing when they could have changed everything back then yeah So you talk about, you've talked a little bit about time, I guess, you know, you're taking advantage of the time that you do have. You, you talk about your date nights and was that always the case? Because that's an opportunity you got, man, I know it's hard. You got, I have some smaller, younger kids like that and it's hard to break away from them sometimes, but you've made it a, one of you, maybe she did. I don't know. She, maybe she pushes oh, you around. Yeah, I don't know. A little bit. But one, one of you made the, one of you, one of you made the decision that we need to be spending some time together away from this house. That, if I'm being honest, there was a, it, we've always had a great connection, right? Um, when we met and started dating my previous marriage, um, I had been separated from my ex-wife for years. She would not sign a divorce for me. So that went on for, three years into my relationship with my wife now caused a lot of stress, like a lot of drama. We had our babies. We were, I mean, we lived together. It was, and there was nothing from that previous marriage for years, but she just wouldn't sign a a divorce. Caused a lot of issues. We had the babies. I think we were, I don't think, I know we were basically done. 
we were going to be done. And when we decided to lose weight and, and commit to each other, recommit to each other, it was like, we need to, to have that time every week. It's not about the kids. It's not about controlling this household. It's about me and you bonding and spending time for each other and with each other. And so I, it was both of us, honestly, like I didn't want to lose her. I'm pretty sure she didn't want to lose me, but it was something like every Friday, Friday, or Saturday night, like we've got older kids. You guys can watch the kids for an hour or so while we go to dinner. If it's an hour or two, we'll hook you up some pizza or whatever, you know, whatever you guys want to eat, but you guys can babysit and we go out. And it's been something that we've done for, for a while now. And it's paid off for sure. It's definitely made our relationship better. I'm curious, a little bit of a sidebar question, but I'm curious about who, which of you is kind of the leader. Cause I'm, I'm picking up some things that, you know, maybe you're really, and I'm sure, I don't know if you both take turns, but, um, when you talked about the decision to lose weight, the decision to make changes in your like lifestyle together, um, who is one or the other of you more kind of influential, like the leader of the, of the two of you? It, you know, it, it depends on the situation. Like uh, when it comes to like fitness, diet, that stuff, I am a hundred percent. When it comes to sports with the kids, I am. Um, when it comes to like, I, she outworks me a hundred percent in her career and everything else. I won't deny that for a second. She's amazing at what she does. I love my job. She's just absolutely cheap. She's a, a hard worker in that sense. Um, and I think that's why we compliment each other so well is I can call her on something and she, she handles it better than I do. I still struggle being called on the things that she calls me on. Hey, you could do more this way. You could do more. And it, okay. She's always right, but it is what it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it like I said, it depends on the on the situation because she definitely is. Uh, she, she wouldn't say that I'm the leader of much, but she when it comes to diet and stuff like that, she follows what I say for sure. But she respects oh, you definitely. enough somewhere. Somewhere she respects you enough to say. I remember earlier on here today, you said, you know, she said, "I trust <laughs> you." Like, tell me what to do. I Absolutely. trust you. I'll follow you. And and even if that's the only thing, even if she thinks you're an <laughs> idiot for everything else, there's enough basic respect there. She has enough respect for you to tr believe you oh. and to trust you and to kind of like follow your no, lead for on sure. some of those things. Absolutely. For sure. I mean, honestly, we're, we're we were we were best friends before we did. So, I mean, there was no, mm. uh, there was no secrets, all my wrong, all my wrongs, all my, all my mistakes. She knew everything and, and vice versa. So, I mean, there is a trust and a respect that we have for each other because of that friendship we had and we still have that. Absolutely. I mean, I'd do anything for her. She'd do anything for me. Like I joke around a lot about, you know, but for sure we do have that relationship that she trusts me. She trusts me hundred percent and it's, it's vice versa. That's because of that. It's because we were friends before we ever dated. Like nobody could say, Hey, you know, Ryan was this person or this person 20 years ago. She's like, yeah, I know because we've been friends and he told me everything. So there's no secrets going into this, to, to our marriage. And it has, it's built a relationship where we trust each other very much. Talking about environment um, and the conversation last week that I had with the, uh, the Admiral, he was talking about environment also includes, you know, friendships and things like that. I, I know with the, large family, you may not have a ton of time to socialize and stuff, but what kind of discipline do you have or, or, or 
talk about discipline in the context of like your social connections. Who are you hanging out with? Who are you spending time with? Who do you, you know, listen to? Who do you trust? Who do you have around? And how does that affect you? You know, honestly, like, you you know, when you work at Milk, it's just like, we got a bunch of good good guys out there. And that, that's kind of my my cottage and the guys I work with. Or that's my my circle outside of home. And we get together. Like, do you, you remember Rocky Bills? Mm, oh, wait. I knew a yeah, Jason brother. Bills. So, yeah. We, so we okay. get together at his house. We all, you know, we were just out there last Saturday hanging out, talking, you know, and dealing with stuff from work, but, you know, playing pool and hanging out. That's, yeah. That's, that's my, my, my crew outside of, outside of home. And, and lucky enough, we work together too. But there's enough in common. There's enough, you know, you trust these guys, you, you know, they have your best interest at heart. You know, they would tell you when you're being an idiot, you could talk honestly with each other. That makes a difference, man. It does. And especially in that job, you have to trust somebody. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, like something could happen any day at work where somebody gets, could get stabbed in the neck. They could, I mean, we're dealing with kids that are in there for murder. Like we're, we're, we're Mm -hmm. we're responsible for each other's safety every single day. So there's definitely that relationship Mm -hmm. that you can trust somebody if, if you work with somebody. So yeah. And we definitely will call each other on, if you're doing something wrong, you're going to hear about it for sure. Mm-hmm. You know how it was when you were there. This is how it is. Uh, real quick, I wanted to talk about mood because you're you were you know saying that anger was a big part of this whole thing that got you in trouble in the first place. Anger mm-hmm. and violence and so forth. How do you have discipline over your mood? That what's helped I, you? Like like I said, honestly, the biggest thing for me was when I started meditating and like learning to uh, not let my emotions control me. And, and, and another big thing was not letting other people's responses or words affect me or control me. So I realized I could control my own emotions. I could, could self-regulate with nobody's help by just catching that little break between thoughts before I react. And just build on that. And I built on that for 30 years now. It's a, it's that process. And I, did, I, I talked to my kids at work every day about this, like catch, catch that before, because we all have that moment before we snap. And if you can't learn to find that moment before you do, you're never going to change anything. And it is paid off. I mean, I wouldn't still be doing my job if I was still had issues with anger. I mean, obviously we all still have, we're all human and I still have my, bad days and moments where I'm probably miserable to be around. Um, far from perfect in that way, but it's still a process that I'm, I'm still working on. I admit that I'm start, still working on it every single day. When it comes to meditation, you know, I think a lot of typical guys, you know, they think, Oh, that's what <laughs> girls do at the yoga class or whatever. You know I mean? They don't, it, it, it's, it takes And I remember I probably the first and, and, and the, the longest period of time I ever did that was when we worked together. There was a program where kids could go and work out. And at the end of that, there was a meditation exercise. And that's where I was introduced to some of that, but it was a, it was a, it was an interesting thing. Talk about uh, meditation, how you do it. Is there a particular type that you do or what's your, what does that look like? like For me, like I, I even will do that with my youngest kids. It's like, it's a matter of counting your breath, right? Like this, don't let thoughts mm. come and go. Count, count your breath. Count to five. Take a breath. 
in and out, five five count each time. Pause, pause, breathe in, breathe out, right? Now, when a thought comes in, realize that thought's coming into your head, right? Now, forget about it and start counting again. And you start to learn how to catch mm-hmm. a break between each one of those thoughts as they come in and out. I want it to be as ba- basic as possible. Like, for, especially for mm-hmm. my kids and for my kids at work. That's the only way it's going to work. I can't go in and do like some Vipassana meditation therapy and expect them to sit for eight hours a day because it's not going to happen. Um, right, right, right. That basicness, the basicness of learning to catch yourself between thoughts. And that's how you do it. For me, that's what's worked. If I need to take a minute mm-hmm. and count my breath to get my head straight, that's what works. That's what's always worked for me. It's the most basic, the, the most basic form of it possible. I've done other things. I've done plenty of other types of meditation. I do, you can do guided meditation, you can do whatever you want. But when it comes to effectiveness for people who are just starting out, count your breath. Count your breath, and then when a thought comes in, start over and, and acknowledge that that thought came in. Doesn't mean that thought was bad. It just means that it came in. Now start over and do it again and do it longer before the next thought comes in. That, that was it. That's all I do. With- seems like seems like that would just slow you down. And if you can know that you're thinking a thought, right? I mean, that's a high le- that's a high level of self awareness. Mostly, we're just running around like like, yep. like animals, and we don't even we don't even take a minute to think. Oh, I'm thinking mm-hmm. a thought. But when you're trying to do something like that, it gives you some uh, control or some like awareness. You're monitoring the the, the process that's happening in your mind mm-hmm. and your body. That's pretty yeah. awesome. So, dude, this has been like this has been amazing to talk to you. It's been I've been down in Vegas for 17 right. years, and um, you know, haven't I think I've gone back once. I went back and hung out with Havili <laughs> and those guys one time. Caught, caught up with Rob Reeves, his brother I, I down here. And, I saw Rob and, last uh, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and then I, I've seen Finney a couple yeah. of times, and so I. It, it's those were some of the best days of my life. That kind of work that kind of spurred me into this, into what I'm doing now, working with men and trying to, you know, basically do the same things and and just bring some stories that can be inspirational to guys just trying to figure it out. So many men don't have the right role models. They don't have the right, you know, the situation with their dad. One of my friends the other day, what did he call it? A dad deficiency sometimes means he he wasn't there or, or he was preoccupied. Mm -hmm. He was running around. So many guys have that, have had that happen. And you had some men come along who were strong were tough Mm -hmm. on you. And also showed you enough love at the same time. And you have, right, man, you've got this cool thing. I've been thinking a lot about the concept of polarity. And basically, it's that you can be both, you know, tender and tough. I've seen you write very sweet messages about your wife, for example. And yet you've got this, you know, violent MMA, excuse me, jujitsu history. Um, you can, you, you've got this ultra toughness, this, this disciplined, um, laser focused kind of way and also meditate. And also like, you know, you're reading books. You're not just some muscle head freak, you know, who's, 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 you're not just a dumb jock. You've really evolved with like all these, you're talking about reading the spiritual books and, and learning to meditate and learning to be aware and learning to be okay with some sensitivity before the show here, we I asked about, is it okay to talk about anything? And he said, I'm an open book. I've got no, you know, that's a part of who I am. And that is maturity. 
that's a person who's not going to let even the worst things about your story bother you because you're so far beyond it. You're so far moved past that, that you're secure enough to be okay with the fact that you've had some, you've gone through some tough times created, you know, that you created yourself. I just, I have a tremendous amount of respect for you. Um, also another cool thing that we didn't mention much was the, uh, you were on a show here recently. You're at a pretty talk about that for a minute. All right. So, um, I, uh, was a huge fan of Yellowstone season one. Right. And somehow Mm -hmm. my wife, somebody who follows my wife on Instagram was somebody that was casting. They were looking for casting for season two. And my wife mm-hmm. comes home one day. She's like, so, Hey, you're going to go beyond uh, the first episode of Yellowstone in like two weeks. And I'm like, what are you talking? She's like, we got to take some modeling pictures. And I'm like, I, I've never taken a modeling picture in my life. Like I'm, not, I'm far from a model. <laughs> so I got to take all these stupid pictures and I had to go, you know, buy some new Wranglers and all that stuff for that. Um, <laughs> so I, I drive down. Do you, do you normally do you normally do you normally wear Wranglers? I, 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 no, I have. I'm not going to deny I have. I had horses and all that at one point. But <laughs> it had been a while. Let's put it that way. And the only the only victory in that the funny thing about that is I had, that's when I had just lost a bunch of weight. So I was a size 42 jeans before that. And when I had to get my Wranglers, they were size 32. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't worn a 32 since I since wow. I was in high school. So I was super hyped about that. But yeah. So then I drive down to Spanish Fork and I sat for, God, I want to say it was like 16, 17 hours. We filmed for like two hours and I probably was in uh, season two, episode one, the bar scene for like five seconds, but it was awesome. It was, it was cool to be on the show for sure. And I got to see, I got to be like, that yeah, is like so- Tyler Sheridan, everybody was there. It was cool. It was really cool for sure. So I guess when it aired, you showed that to your kids and you're gathered around the TV and they're like, like there's back. It is. I think I've got a picture of it on my, on my Instagram, actually, just that there's a screenshot of it, but that's, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. That's awesome, man. Dude, I appreciate your, your time to, to spend sure. with us here, man. You've, um, you know, you're, you've done the, you know, some impossible things to just, to just, no longer follow this path that you were on so many people. Um, again, that was one of the reasons I kind of got out of that. I didn't have the heart to watch these kids one after the other, just continue and all the work we did and all the stuff we poured into it. And your story is one of hope and one of influence. You're talking about some badass men. And I know who some of them are, who, who looked you in the eye and gave you some, some firmness and some, you know, friendly, fair, like, um, yeah. correction. And I know they changed it to what juvenile right. justice, but it used to be called youth. It used to be called youth corrections when yep. I started And and you, you made the corrections, you made the changes in your life. And, and I know things aren't no. perfect. You're just like everybody. I'm sure you get frustrated with your kids and, you know, have pissy mm-hmm. days with your wife and there's th- plenty of ordinary problems like everybody else. But in the big picture, dude, you've come a long way and you're, you're out here influencing other young people to the point of like, these guys are naming their kids after you and stuff. And so, so much respect for you. Appreciate what you've, uh, you know, the kind of example that you are out there. I'm going to promote this and I, uh, is it okay if I tag your like, uh, Instagram and stuff like that? And, um, 
I don't know about even your yeah, wives yeah. too. You know, you just, I know you're, you're kind of a, you're yeah, kind of a team sure. and, uh, it's, re- it's really cool to see how, how much you love and respect her. I can just really tell she's very important yeah. to you. And a lot of people, you said you've been together yeah. eight years. Yeah. Eight back in November. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's, a, that's a, around, you know, seven, eight years. That's when a lot of people are, are the most checked yeah. out. And it seems like you're, you appear to be closer than so. ever and um, really moving in a good direction and um, good on her for finding a good dude and, and for you being the kind of guy that, you know, she deserves. So I really appreciate you. I hope to in the future, maybe have you back on here. And if you're ever in Vegas, man, you, you holler for this sure. time. Yeah. I know you, I know you, you want to spend time doing what you do down here, but I'd love to catch up, have a breakfast with you or maybe we're recording yeah, another show or something and, and catch up with yeah. you, Ryan. Appreciate it so much, man. You guys, you guys were talking about discipline because if you don't have a discipline, if you don't have a practice of discipline in your life uh, and continue to make the decision to do the things that are going to make a difference in your life, you just, you just run into pain, frustration, disappointment. It costs you money. It costs you your health. There is no more masculine like property than to have some discipline. That's how you take control of your life. And this is not about dominating other people. This is about dominating your own selfishness, dominating your laziness, dominating your, you know, your inability to make good choices and do the things that are going to create health and, and like vitality in your life. So thank you again, Ryan, for being with us. You guys, no excuses. Alpha up. Gentlemen, you are the Alpha, and this is the Alpha Quorum.